teaches us that Ezra Tikain, when the Jews came back from Bovel, the beginning of the Second Commonwealth, so Ezra Sofer, together with Don Sheikh Nesra made a takona, made a, an edict that the Parsha of Kitovo should be read before Rosh Hashanah. Parsha B'chukotai should be read before Shavuot, and the Parsha of Kitovo should be read before Rosh Hashanah. The Gemara says uh, <clears throat> the reason is that we want that the uh, both Parshas contain uh, Klavot, uh, curses, uh, dire predictions. So we want that that should expire in Tochel Shono Birchoteho, and we want that this year should uh, begin with its blessings. That this year, because the way the calendar falls, uh, the Parsha of Nitzavim will be the Parsha that we read immediately before Rosh Hashanah. Now, both the Parsha of Kitavo and the Parsha of Nitzavim raise a basic philosophic question uh, discussed by uh, all of the commentators so there are many times in life, my friends, where the question is, so to speak, better than any answer. Stronger. After all the answers, the question remains. And therefore, uh, one of the opinions of Judaism, a basic understanding of life, is that we live with questions we will not be able to figure everything out. And in Yiddish they used to say, nobody ever died because he had a question. So there are things that we don't understand. They're simply beyond the ken of our understanding. And uh, we enter a period of time now that uh, reflects that. Uh, the judgment of heaven is covered from us. They say, Rosh is covered, so it's not only that the moon is covered, the judgment is covered, everything is covered. We don't understand how it works. We don't understand why good people suffer, why evil people prosper. Does anybody know if there's a shear? Yes, there is a shear. <laughs> Everyone's muted. No? 
so we don't know. And we have to live with that. And there would be no room for the precept of emunah, of faith, if there was not the possibility of doubt. Because faith is to believe in something that I cannot see, that I cannot understand, that I cannot control, and yet I believe it is so. And so that is the ultimate test of a person. Tzadik bemunoso yichyeh. How do we define a righteous person? Someone that lives by faith, meaning that he has no answers. And many times in life, the attempt to give answers itself decreases faith instead of increases it. So I want to mention uh, regarding this week's parsha, and it also appears in next week's parsha. So we'll uh, we'll have a class next Friday as well, God willing. But we can uh, incorporate part of parsha's nitzavim. Here as well. You all know that Parshat's Kitovo has 98 psukim of negativity. The Torah describes for us in brutal detail the terrible things that will happen to the Jewish people. The Parsha is really a documentary on the Shoah. It describes exactly what happened. So, uh, first of all, the question of why uh, is beyond answer. But there's another question, one that has always uh, uh, perplexed me. I uh, was born in the United States of America. Uh, The Second World War, to a great extent, did not affect me personally. I did not go hungry. I was not especially persecuted. I lived in an all-Jewish neighborhood in a bubble. I had cousins that were... uh, My uncle was a uh, rabbi in Lithuania. And in 1940, uh, the Bolsheviks... The Russians came to Lithuania under the Stalin-Ribbentrop Pact and they executed all the rabbis and they executed their families. My cousins, my little cousins were killed, shot. People came after the war and told us about it. They They saw it. So that's the luck of the draw, right? My father came to the United States for whatever reason. He came because he wanted to study with Rav Shimon Shkop, who then was 
saying shiurim in New York. So he came to America. My uncle had a rabbinic position in Lithuania, stayed in Lithuania. So why did my cousins, so to speak, have to die, and why why was I spared everything? That's the question. It wasn't anything that they did. We don't have a choice where we're going to be born. We also don't have a choice when we're going to be born. So again, I look at my life. I say I was born at the right time. I was born when America really became America. Prosperous. The Jewish community developed. I was born to see the state of Israel. And born a hundred years earlier, been a terrible time. So how does that work? And uh, if we think about that life is, so to speak, controlled and destined by some unseen heavenly hand so uh, it can uh, cause a person to uh, have to think about things why next week's Parsha will read below itchem bilvad anochi koresi mochem Moshe said, it's not with you alone that I explain to you the covenant and will bind you. It's not only those who are here, those who are not here, they're also bound by the covenant. How does that happen? If they weren't there, they never said yes. How can you bind somebody to something when the person had no choice and it wasn't presented to the person? So, uh, in Kabbalistic terms, uh, the uh, commentators say, everybody's soul was at Sinai. All of us said, Nasev and Ishma. All of us agreed in a Kabbalistic terms, there's a general soul for the Jewish people that each and every one of us is a piece of it. But again, if you think about it, there's a difficulty here. And we see it in this week's Parsha in the language. The language of the Torah is uh, perfect. It's exquisite. Every nuance. So when it, it describes, first of all, the blessings that come unto the Jewish people. So it says, All the blessings will come upon you. What does that mean that they'll come upon you? It doesn't say you'll learn them. 
It doesn't say you're entitled to them. It doesn't say that they're fulfilled for you. It says they come upon you. So that's the good fortune of where you're born and when you're born and what your society is and what your family is. Why should Charles be the king of England? What mileage does he have? What's so great about him? Nothing. Except he was born to Queen Elizabeth. So how does that work? And that's, if you think about it, that's been a basic question that's gnawed at civilization uh, from time immemorial. So the Torah says, it will come upon you. The Torah says in the other places, you'll inherit fields that you did not plow. You'll live in homes that you did not build. You'll have prosperity that you did not contribute to. And yet the nature of people is, the Torah says, the Yomru, you will say, I earned it. It's me. Look how smart I am. Look how clever. Look how talented. But if you look at the whole picture, what? You know, uh, I, I read a statistic uh, that if a person, uh, after the First World War, invested in the Dow Jones uh, market thing, and he never did anything. He absolutely never did. Never bought, never sold, never managed. He'd be a billionaire today. Why? What did he do? He didn't do anything. But yet, people will come to him for advice on the market, right? (laughs) What's your secret, Warren Buffett? Tell me. Look how smart I am. I invested a thousand dollars and I got back a million. So the Torah warns us against that attitude. The Torah tells us there are times of blessings and there are other times. And the times of blessings come upon us. Now why they come on this generation and not on another generation seems fairly obvious that at least uh, in American Jewish life the next generation or two are going to have a harder time. Be less chances. So that's the, the Torah itself tells us 
you should, you're not, you, you're, you're a piece of the whole, but you are not the whole. You are not the story. And it says it by the curses as well. What were my cousins guilty of? Why should the curse descend upon them? So the idea of these questions is the basis of the struggle for faith. The struggle for attachment with the Ramona Shalom. And since uh, we have a built-in arrogance, uh, so it's always dangerous. It's dangerous because we will have no answers. So by the bruchas and the kolos, there's one word that uh, is repeated. And that word is vihisigucha. It will catch up to you. There are, <laughs> the Gemara says an interesting thing. If you run away from honor, the covet will catch it up, the honor will catch up with you. Eventually the honor will fall upon you. If you pursue honor, you'll never catch up to it. So the commentators explain. It's like someone that is chasing, let's say, the mechanical rabbit. So if you're running away from it, human beings have a limit to how long they can run. Even if you run the marathon, so you can run 26 kilometers or whatever, but eventually you can't run anymore. The rabbit is mechanical. It keeps on going. So if you're running away from it, it'll catch up to you. And if you're running after it, it will keep on getting farther and farther away. So they say that's the same idea of covet. Honor. If you're running away from honor... So you can run away, right? I don't want this, I don't want it, but eventually it catches up to you because honor doesn't get tired. And if you're running afterwards, you'll never catch up to what you want because of the fact that you will get tired, but honor keeps on running. So the Torah says, It will catch up to you. It says it by the brochot, and it says it by the Kolot. So many before Shim say that that is what we call fate. But in Yiddish we say Bashert. There is, so to speak, something that's going to happen that's fated to happen and that you can't prevent it. It's not up to you. So it will catch up to you. 
But the Mephoshim say a deeper thought. I think one that is more optimistic. Sometimes a person does a good deed. But he doesn't uh, rate it as being very important. He thinks it's a minor thing in life. Gemara says, for instance, that in the time of the Talmud, the great rabbis, when they saw an elderly man, a woman, that, uh, that had survived uh, many, many decades, so they asked the person, How come? How come uh, you lived so long? Uh, my grandchildren, when they were little, they used to say to me, Zadie, how come you're so old? <laughs> One of them uh, once said to me, how come you look so old? So I said, Dad, you got to ask your parents. <laughs> So the question is, how come you're so old? And they never answered, you know, I did exercise, I had a trainer, I was on a good diet, I have good genes, I have wonderful medical help. All of that is important. I don't, don't, don't avoid that. But that isn't what they asked. So one of them said, because I always said hello to everybody in the morning. Nobody said hello before I said hello. I said good morning. Now I want to ask you in the uh, long range of things that we consider important, would you say that's number one? Hardly. But that's Vesigucha. The little good that you did, which to you means very little, will catch up to you. Because this world, nothing goes for waste. Just like in the physical world, we have a rule of the indestructibility of matter. Matter will change, it can change into energy, into all sorts of things, but it's never destroyed, it's always here. So too in the spiritual and social realm, good things that a person does never is destroyed. So visigucha, it'll catch up to you. You don't know how, you don't know uh, in what manner. And the same thing is naturally true in the opposite. person does something that's wrong, but, you know, it's not a major crime. I saw that a, uh, 
an interview with one of the great uh, confidence men in the world who uh, for almost 40 years uh, pulled off all sorts of illegal stunts. He was able to pass himself off as an airplane pilot. He always sat in the cockpit in the free seat. Uh, he passed himself off as a uh, pediatrician, and he worked in a hospital for many years. He passed himself off as a lawyer, and he worked in the attorney general's office. I mean, unbelievable scams that he did. He passed bad checks. But in the end, uh, he finally was caught, not in the United States, because in the United States, it's hard to catch criminals. <laughs> but he was caught in France, and I think he had to serve 10 years in prison. Then he was interviewed. Uh, so he was interviewed about his life. So he said, every scam that I did by itself, you know, what, what's the deal? I pretended I'm an airplane pilot and I sat in the cockpit. Who did that hurt? The plane is flying anyway. I'm not flying it. I'm sitting in the free seat in the cockpit. And he said the same thing, the attorney general's office. He said, I became a paper pusher. What a, what a, and he said in the uh, medical office, I had seven interns working under me. So I would have a meeting, whatever they said to do, I said, go ahead and do it. But Visigucha eventually catches up. He said, eventually it destroyed me, not because I got caught, because that was my way of life. I could not think differently. But today he works for a security firm <laughs> in which he instructs people uh, how to protect themselves, uh, how to avoid uh, these types of scams. But the whole idea of Isigucha is that things catch up to you. There's nothing in life that escapes. And... Uh, because of that, therefore, the Torah uses these phrases. Ki alecha, it will come upon you. All of this is unplanned. You didn't imagine it would happen. I mean, we're going through, you know, the world in the last three years, is a, it's a different world. We don't know if it'll ever get back to what we thought was the world. And if you're born into a different society, it's a different society. There's different values, etc. How will you survive? So therefore, when we, uh, before Rosh Hashanah, when we hear all of this, and we realize how puny we really are, so that's, par in progress. that's part of the uh, greatness of uh, Rosh Hashanah, of the Yom Adin, is because of the fact that it gives us a chance to reflect. Now, Sarah Shemei Chula is really reflection. It's not 
Tshuva is to reflect, to go back, to think again. How I got here. What's important and what isn't important. And uh, that's what lies at the heart of the Parshas. So even though the question will remain and the difficulties will be unsolved, the Torah didn't come to make it easier for us, but the Torah did come to make it clearer for us that we should somehow be able to reflect upon ourselves and the world and realize that we are the servants of the King of Kings and to him do we owe our lives and good fortune and that the Lord should grant us a good and happy year. Shabbat Shalom. What's the title?